0: Welcome back to Millennial Meet Gen X, where we talk about all things relationships. That's right. Welcome back to our All Things Relationships podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Her name is Mrs. Jennifer Alderbridge. Smith. I happen to know her personally. So she's super amazing. She's actually going to be talking to us today about surviving a domestic violent relationships. And for Jennifer, she found herself um, at 18 years old in her first abusive relationships, which lasted her for about seven years. She went on to another abusive relationship at the age on or about 25 26 or so or so however that was short-lived miss jennifer alderbridge smith is a training development coordinator for a telecommunications organization she facilitates several groups um, self-care self-esteem um, um, All sorts of um, groups she facilitates. I've seen her do it. Um, She recently sat on a panel, one of the panels that I was partnered with to to tell her story for the very first time. And I must say she was extremely amazing. As you see, she's on our podcast today. Um, And she's also a member of the band Stiletto Five. And we'll leave all the information below this um, podcast so that if you want to follow her and learn more about Miss Outerbridge Smith, you can certainly do so um, at any point in time. So, Mrs. Outerbridge Smith. <laughs> all right, thank you, Tina. Yes, so Miss Jennifer,
1: thank you again for being on here today. Um, so, yeah, so first, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, Currently,
2: development coordinator at a telecoms company in Bermuda, um, and I work very closely with an amazing group of women at the Women's Resource Center, um, and we've, you know, facilitating workshops um, both independently and with um, two other of my one of you that we, you know, delve into. Um, And I've done self-esteem boot camps with them, et cetera. But that's really where my passion lies is lifting up um, others. I mean, we work specifically with women, but it's not just women, you know, that I enjoy motivating and, and coaching people because everyone needs that lift. Even, you know, those of us that are doing facilitating You know, we need that lift. We need that um, positive influence in our lives and those positive reminders. Um, So I really do enjoy doing that. And this today will be my second podcast talking about surviving domestic abuse.
1: Oh, wow. That's good. That's really good. And so with your story and with you talking about it, uh, how has it, you know, made you, you know, feel? you know, now that you're able to like, talk about it?
2: I think I just, I felt it was time. It was time to talk about it. It wasn't something that I spoke about. Uh, still haven't spoken to some people about it in great detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I was ready. I wasn't uh, nervous talking my first time about it. I felt calm. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can tell your story, you know, that you healed from it when you can speak about it to other people. And I see it as an opportunity to help other uh, women specifically that have been in this predicament because I think it's one in four or one in five women have experienced domestic abuse, um, violence, or emotional or you know financial abuse. So yeah. it's quite common yet It is not an easy thing to tell your story, especially it's not something you can do if you're not ready to tell your story, but I wanted to reach out and start telling my story to help other women and for other women to realize that you can come out of this and you're going to be okay. And it's hard when you're in the middle of it at the time, you don't think that way. You're just trying to survive, but I feel, you know, I'm happy to talk about it now Uh, I don't, it's, it doesn't take me back there or anything like that.
1: Yes. So when did you realize you were in a domestic violence relationship?
2: And I was punched in the eye, Um, you know, right, you know, downtown Toronto. Um, So yeah, so I knew like that was you. I mean, some of the talk and and stuff when someone's drinking, you're like, oh well, they're drunk, or they had a bad childhood, and you try to see the good in them, and then you know you realize you're like, okay, you know, this is <laughs> this is not a healthy relationship.
0: Yeah. 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 So I I heard you mention. Um, it's funny that you say a punch in the eye because that was my first instance, um, and that's ironic, huh? But. For some reason, that seems to be a lot of women first instance, um, not the only instance, but a lot of women's first instance. Um, so Jennifer, what would you say um, made you stay after the first instance?
2: Um, because as a lot of you know, men who are abusers do, they apologize, everything goes back to normal after, um, you give them the benefit of the doubt, you see the good in them, you love them, so you you know you stay and think, oh, it, it'll get better. They feel bad, um, you know. So I did, I did stay. Um, we had we've separated uh, for a while, and then we ended up getting back together, um, which I always say I don't regret because he went through a, a major medical emergency. Uh, he had two brain surgery, so I was happy that. I was there, but then during his rehab, he was so angry that he needed to rely on me that, you know, and understandably so. I mean, he had to basically start from scratch in his life that the one day I remember is him taking glasses and smashing them in the kitchen. And I thought, no, I, I can't, I can't stay. I want to help him and support him, but I just, I packed up and I left very swiftly.
0: Yeah. So when, when we talk about um, why we stay, um, that's a question I often ask, and people ask quite often, and some people get offended um, because they feel like, why are we asking the victim that question? We should ask the partner, why did he do it? But we often ask that question, and I've been asked that question numerous times, so I do know. Um, we ask that question because that's many people's story. The reason we stay um, it's because we think we love them. It's because we feel sorry for them. It's because of whatever the medical or mental health issues they're struggling with. And so those are some of the reasons why I know I asked and many people ask that question. But what I want to ask is, what did you ever ask him why did he abuse you? Did you ever ask him why are you doing this to me?
2: Um, you know, I don't remember Tina actually asking him why Mm -hmm. Uh, because there was always regret um, afterwards or you know so I'm like well he didn't mean to do it he felt badly Um, so I didn't kind of just confront him and say like why would you do that to me I would never do that to you or uh, so I didn't actually um, confront him um, about it Uh, I mean in the second relationship I didn't I didn't ask that question either I was the second experience was much worse for me Mm -hmm. Uh, so it was really just a matter of surviving day-to-day and planning my escape there was no confronting I would be I was angry and I would make comments that would only you know inflame the situation like you know you're you're sick like you know you're not well this kind of behavior is a sickness which didn't help me in that situation, but um, that's kind of how I reacted to it for Mm -hmm. the second relationship.
0: Did you ever at any time blame yourself for his behaviors towards you? No, Uh,
2: I am blessed that I had such a good support system growing up um, that, you know, my parents were very supportive. My mother always, you know, I'm so proud of you. You can do anything. Uh, but so I, I never, ever blame myself for it, mm-hmm. which I know a lot of women do like, Oh, I, I shouldn't have said that. Or that's my fault because I was, I reacted in a certain way instead mm-hmm. of keeping my mouth shut, which that is not your fault. Uh, so i never, I never did blame myself. I knew that it wasn't my fault.
0: Mm-hmm. Did any one of your friends or family, um, ever notice a change in your behavior prior to uh, ex- exiting that relationship did anyone ever say Jan are you okay or something's changed about you um not my
2: first one because I lived away mm. from my family so I didn't really you know I wasn't in contact th- with them and I didn't talk about it with my friends that I worked at when I lived away I didn't speak about it um and in this, the second relationship I think I had a co-worker that was noticing things, but she didn't say anything until I actually had a conversation with her one day because I was afraid for my life Mm -hmm. and had told her, you know, if something happens to me, it's him. And I want you to go after him. If something happens to me, I want you to know who did this to me. Mm -hmm. And then she spoke up and said, Oh, is that why you've lost so much weight lately? Mm
1: -hmm. Is
2: that why you have to go home for lunch every day? Is that why? So it was definitely noticed by my colleague um, that something was happening, but she didn't, she didn't speak up about it until I spoke up to her.
0: Mm. So what you say in the second relationship, how many times did you plan or attempt to leave before you finally gained the course to say, I'm out? Uh,
2: well, I can't count how many times because I think it became a daily thing for me of Mm. and not just getting out it was a daily of trying to get out of situations moment by moment of you know i've thought about jumping out of a moving car to get away from him um okay this is what i'm going to have to do when we get Back home so that it doesn't get worse. Um, So it was really situational and kind of moment by moment every day uh, Mm -hmm. how I was going to handle what was coming next. You know, I mean, he forced me into a lot of situations and it was like, okay, so I'm just going to comply because, you know, he's not well mentally and, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: you know, it'll keep me safe for the time being. So it was Mm -hmm. just trying to stay safe one situation at a time. Mm And um, so there wasn't like, how many times did I I plan? I I knew I had to get out. So it was just a finding the right time to do that.
0: Right, right. So um, the other thing was, I'm gonna go back a bit so that we can come back forward. Um, As you spoke about your first relationship, the challenges that you had and um, the situation was uh, it's really different whereby your partner had had brain surgery. And so um, that was a situation where, you know, you found yourself getting out of it. You made your mind up and you said, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm walking away. It was more of a cut and dry sense, like what you're saying, a cut and dry um, accent versus this acid. Um And so I just want people to be clear that um, there are instances where people that are in a normal frame of mind um, do have brain surgery, and they do act totally different after the brain surgery. Um, Now, this is not to say that he wasn't acting this way before the brain surgery, but there are instances where that can happen. And so I just say kudos to you for gaining the courage in spite of what he had experienced. Um, You gained the courage to walk away from a situation that was very uncomfortable and very hurtful to you. So you was able to put yourself first in that instance, even though you stayed and cared for them, knowing that they had been through that medical instance, you still done your due diligence with them. But ultimately what you decided was you mattered most in that situation right
2: exactly yeah exactly i knew at that moment that there was no other way for me to handle it i had to leave and i mean he i mean we had met years years later he found me at a different job and he actually called me to apologize Um, for everything and he said I know I wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for you Um, because I was with him when the emergency happened and he said you know you were my angel and he said I'm really sorry for everything that I did and I he called to apologize years
0: later Mm -hmm. which meant everything wow wow that's awesome and so and so as it relates to the second relationship Um, there wasn't any medical issues involved, but it sounds like there might have been mental health issues, mental health challenges in that situation. And so it was a little bit more difficult for you to walk away. Um, It wasn't as cut and dry as, you know what, I'm packing up today and I'm walking away. Um, And so you refer for your life because of his mental health challenges, I'm I'm assuming, right? Um, You didn't want him to react in such a way where you could have I mean, ultimately you could have lost your life, I guess, if you wouldn't have made the right exit plan, if you didn't plan it accordingly, right?
2: Exactly, exactly. That was the case that, you know, I didn't, I I had no idea why Mm
1: -hmm.
2: uh, he was that way. It wasn't that he, you know, said, oh, when I was growing up, uh, you know, this happened to me. Like there was no story behind the behavior that I could even say like, you know, oh, well, you know, he had a bad, this happened to him I had a bad childhood or or ABC he was just uh, I don't know how else to explain it but psychotic yeah, yeah. And so
0: and so everyone listening to this I want you to be aware of that um, although we do experience these situations in relationships you want to take our time to plan these type of accidents because what we don't want you to do we don't want you to stay or remain in these abusive relationships but we also want you to walk away with your life, you know, where you can ultimately walk away, living an abuse-free lifestyle, safe, safe planning. And so what I, we often say is that throughout your planning to walk away. It might not happen the first, second, or third time, even the fourth time, um, continue with your plans. And it's always advisable to include someone or somebody that you trust with your plan, um, so that when you do exit you can have that second third or fourth person to basically support you and in your, in your case um, you had that coworker that was kind of like I saw it and i'm I'm, I'm here for you basically I'm thinking right
2: yeah exactly and I, I one thing I want to speak to is that you tend not to want to tell anybody because you don't want them for me it wasn't it wasn't a shame factor it was in the second situation, more of their safety. I didn't want them to get involved because that coworker did say, look, pack your things, come and stay, you know, with myself at my family's house. And I just, I didn't want them to go through the drama of him showing up there, Mm -hmm. um, doing God knows what, and I didn't want them involved. And I didn't tell people like, you know, some people have asked, like, you know, you have, three cousins that play hockey. I'm sure they would have taken care of the situation for you. Uh, But you just, you don't want to involve the other people. So that's one thing I want women to know is involve people. Don't suffer in silence. Um, There are people, you know, your, your true friends, your family will be willing to step in for your, your safety. And, you know, here we are worrying about everyone else's safety, but Mm -hmm. definitely have, those people in place. Um, In the second situation when um, I did, I said, you need to leave. We were actually house sitting um, for someone as a little gig. Um, And I told him that he needed to leave right away. Um, He did torture me, you know, after calling, did you lock the windows? No, you didn't. I'm gonna come in there, Um, things like that. And then finally the homeowner called to check in and she knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. She said, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not okay. This is what's happened, et cetera. So, um, you know, she was planning to come back and that's when I just packed my things and showed up at my mom's door and said, I'm, I'm coming home now. And she said, okay. And that was kind of it. I just took my things and, and I left a lot of things behind that, you know, Mm -hmm. things that meant a lot to me, but you know, in the grand scheme of things,
0: I'm alive. Yes. That's Um, that's important. Yes.
1: Jennifer, um, as I listen to you talk, you know, I don't think there is an easy path for someone who's been through trauma to actually tell their story, you know, so were you able to heal after the abuser apologized? Were you able to to forgive him?
2: In the first situation? Yes, absolutely. Because years had passed, you know, I had, you know, I had healed, I had healed from it and he, you know, had found me, reached out to me um, specifically to thank me for everything that I had done uh, and to apologize. So I'm, I I hadn't for me to hold on to that Mm -hmm. you know forever is only going to hurt me so it was quite easy to forgive him in the second scenario I just I just moved on because there was no apology no acknowledgement of the behavior um I mean I still if I see a picture of him I just I'm like ugh Ugh, you know, and it was just so uh, that would be a very, um, hard forgive for me. Probably one of the only people that I haven't been able to forgive in my life.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Being honest, say, Oh, forgive, you know, but
1: mm-hmm.
2: no, I, um uh, I haven't, I haven't forgiven him for what he did to me mm-hmm. and to the other women that he's done it to.
1: Yeah. So what information can you give to domestic violence survivors?
2: Well, I think, first of all, I mean, in the second scenario, you asked me how I healed from it if I wasn't able to forgive. And I reached out and actually went to a counselor. So I thought, I I was very angry. I was... You know, if I go out and men were making, you know, smart comments thinking, you know, they were all that, I would, I have, you know, a very biting tongue. The sarcasm reached a new level
1: Mm
2: -hmm. and I realized how angry I was and that I needed to do something about that because I didn't like that about myself. So I went, I went to a counselor. I didn't, the counselor looked at me like she had no idea what I was talking about. So I went to group counseling and I would really recommend the group counseling because you're with everyone else who has been in this situation Um, when you talk to other people outside of a group that of women that have gone through this they kind of look at you like oh my god you know oh and and it is it's it's shocking for people to hear these stories but it doesn't help you Mm -hmm. so group counseling you know you'd make a comment and another girl would be like oh my gosh i went through exactly the same thing and it's such a safe place for everyone to talk and they, they truly understand and you end up helping each other. So I would, I definitely recommend that. Um, the other advice that I have is I don't look at what happened to me as that's me. That's part of my personality. That's part of who I am. Um, I'm a victim um, and technically, you know, I'm a survivor. I'm a, a domestic abuse survivor but I never associated it with who I was as a person. And I think that is a very important part of Mm -hmm. how you heal and move forward. Instead, I think this is something that happened to me. This is an experience that I went through in my life, but it's not who I am. And it makes a huge, it really does make a huge difference of, I am not that... Person that he
0: said I was and so I just wanted to piggyback on top of that Jan because that's such an amazing point that women need to get and to truly truly receive because oftentimes women believe it's who they are and that's where a lot of the secrecy comes into play you know they believe that if they tell somebody you're gonna look at them as though they are the weak one, or they're silly, or they're stupid, or she's crazy, or what's wrong with her? She's got a low self. You know, you hear all of these things, and so what tends to happen is they attach it to themselves, and so, Jennifer, thank you for pointing that out, because it isn't who you are. It's an experience, and that was put on you by somebody else, and so it, I always say it's like a movie. You're sitting there watching a movie, and all the these things are happening. I was sitting there looking like feeling all these emotions. You know, when you're looking at a movie, you're looking at all these things going on, and you're sitting there saying, Oh my god, oh, oh all these things. That's really to me how I feel about being in that situation that I was in. I felt as though all of these things were happening to me. I couldn't explain them. I couldn't stop them. I couldn't prevent them. Um, but I knew it was happening to me. And so for me, I think that's why it took me so long to speak up, right? Because I never received it as, oh my goodness, I'm a victim. I, I never did that. And, and that's really what we are. You know, we are victims of domestic violence. But I also see it as, you know what, I survived this. And if I can survive this, anybody can survive it. And we all say the same thing, those of us who have walked away from those type of relationships. And so if anything women can get from this, Jennifer, is exactly what you say. You know, it's not who you are. Jennifer, no, Jennifer's not a victim or a broken leg, per se, as you were saying but she actually is someone that did survive somebody else's behavior towards her.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's no, you know, some women feel, um, you know, shame about it. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't, I don't think it was shame that stopped me from speaking out. I think you're just quietly working in the background, trying to figure out how to get the heck out of there, um, figure it out day to day moment to moment. Um, you know, how are you going to get to that point where you're, you're out of there and you're, and you're done with it. Um, and I think it is like you said, Tina, it's very surreal when you're in these situations thinking, you know, it is, it was, it was like a movie, definitely like a movie. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the best way to describe it for me as well.
0: And I think it's important as well as we talked about you when you mentioned um you went to a a counselor but then you decided that wasn't a good fit for you and that's that's normal whatever you know if, if it's not a good fit for you don't be afraid to walk somewhere else or see 10 15 20 different counselors or support groups because remember this is for you you are getting your power back so you have the power to say guess what this is not a good fit I'm going to go to the next one. But support groups are so important because those are the spaces where everybody's speaking the same language. And believe it or not, um, um Dolisa and I believe we were actually at the Domestic Violence um, Institute, everybody in that group were from all walks of life. And it's amazing how, although we come from different walks of life, different culture, different ethnicities, um, socioeconomic back, everybody had a different story, different look. Everybody talked about and experienced domestic violence the exact same way, right? And so that's what, it was like a support group, right? And so support groups are for those who are looking to tell the same story, you're of like minds, right? And so I was encouraged, not just survivors um, and victims of domestic violence to join and support support groups, but survivors alike because survivors coming back to a support group also encourages Um, those who may be currently experiencing their situations. It shows them, you know what? Oh my goodness, she got out. Oh, she did too? Oh my goodness, but she had my same story. So I often say, you know, for survivors as well, don't be afraid to step back to help pull somebody the other people you are and so I often have support groups as well in Bermuda and of course Delisa and I has ours online um, and I always encourage people to just show up um, those who are looking to do the right things and same things to help other people because we never know who can benefit um, from our story or how we walked forward.
2: Yeah I, I definitely think that that's a, it's a great idea to share your story Um, And it lets other people know that are still going through it, that you're, you know, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, like there is some, in some way, a stereotype of what a domestic violence victim looks like, or domestic abuse woman looks like, Mm -hmm. and there's no, you know, it doesn't discriminate. So when I have told you a few people, that's why people were shocked, you know, you like, Mm -hmm. what, you know, what do you mean me? You know, I'm no different than any other woman that, that, that's gone through the exact same experience. But for some reason, there's this stereotypical mindset of maybe what a, you know, domestic abuse victim looks like or acts like. And, you know, so it gives people some help if they're going through it. Like, you know, but you're, like I said, people say, but you're so happy and you're always motivating other people. And I said, yes, you know, I am. This is what happened to me. It's not who I am. Mm-hmm. so it, it's good to break that stereotype and to give other people hope that yes you are going to survive this but like you, you know both ladies would say you you do need a plan mm-hmm. to get out of the situation because it as you know we know in some situations you know there is a risk a risk to your life
0: so yeah, some people some people have 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 lost some people have you know lost their lives and so if if we if we do want to be really strengthened and, and see domestic violence for what it really is surf the internet there are trillions of stories out there of life and death situations not just for the victim the immediate victim but for family members the secondary victim which is sometimes family members the children their pets you know their friends their neighbors and so we have to we have to be mindful that we always think we're the ones that can get away or we always think we're the ones that can change a person right or we always think that it's not going to be us um and so Jennifer, I just want to speak on that. How we, how we look at people and feel as though, um, oh, looking at you, they wouldn't think it because you're so happy go lucky. You're always pouring into everybody else, which you do, you know. And so people tend to look at that and say, well, she's so happy go lucky. People's picture of victims of domestic violence are somebody sitting there with a black and bruised eye and um, their hair is disheveled and they just seem like they're out to space all the time that's not the reality and those of you who's listening who are victims you know that's not the reality because most of you and most of us looked looked probably better than most people leave in our homes every day and and basically because that's the only time we have control to feel better about ourselves so we we can't just look and think somebody's supposed to look with a black eye or disheveled or quiet or scared to talk although that's also Some of the behaviors of a a victim of domestic violence but there are also victims that are like you and i and everybody else i was always very people say bossy or spoke my mind or didn't care what people thought um and that was that's the result of like you said and maybe on the panel how sometimes what we've been through gives us these new behaviors right so we couldn't do it in those relationships so when we get other people it's like you would never treat me how i was treated before so i'm gonna get you. You before you get me and so we can't just look in, at one template or one blueprint of what a domestic violence victim looks like because it's a doctor it's a lawyer it's a teacher it's a um, janitor it's a, a nurse it's a neighbor it's your mama it's your sister it's your brother you know it's it's your child it's just about every and anybody that you will least expect sometimes
2: exactly and I mean as I say you know you only see what I let you see right so- you know, that's the face that people, you know, you put forward is that everything is okay, you know, so you never, you can't, you have no idea what people have gone through in their day just because they look put together um, they're, you know, positive and, you know, oh, she's very successful at her career and she's, you just, you have no idea. And we tend to idolize people based on what we see on the outside.
1: So, Miss Jennifer, lastly, um, and again, thank you again for being on here, being able to tell your story, because so many people need to hear this. And oftentimes, there is stigma put on men reporting domestic violence. And so, what message can you give men and women who are wanting to Get out of
0: their abusive relationship.
1: Uh, I
2: guess to reiterate what I was talking about is that it's not about it's not something to be embarrassed about. You didn't do it. It's something that you're experiencing or that has happened to you. It's not who you are. Um, I think, like you said, for for men, it's especially hard. You know, it's a, it's a big ego thing. You know, I would think for them to come forward and say, but this behavior is not going to stop in this relationship and Mm -hmm. you need to be safe. You need to be happy. You need to be healthy. Um, So don't internalize what's happening as this is who I am. It's not, um, you know, talk to people that you can trust because it's harder to create a plan to get out. If you don't have any help, you know, if there's no help there's no one you can call no one that can pick you up no one that you know if you're a woman if you need another a a man a cousin a brother a colleague someone to come um there so you feel safe um and for men it could be you know whoever It, it could be a trusted friend or colleague but reach out to people and let them know what's happening darlisa like i i just I don't think that it's spoken about enough
1: mm-hmm.
2: with young people. So it's like, what if you don't, what if you don't have to go through everything that we went through, you right. know, because we didn't, we didn't have that conversation in our household just, and it was to the, the era, you know, that I grew up in. It wasn't mm-hmm. a conversation that we had in the house, you know, with your parents about, These are the red flags in a relationship, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) So I think that that is where a huge focus needs to go is to make sure that our young, not just the young women, the young men are in this conversation with the young women, you know, to say, these are the red flags when Mm -hmm. you start doing this. And to raise awareness for young men to say, oh, if I'm being controlling or like, oh, you don't need to go see your friends. Why you got to hang out with your friends? You should Mm -hmm. be seeing me. They need to be part of that conversation of this is not acceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. This is abusive behavior, you know? And same, and same with young women. Young women are not just victims, they could be abusers as well. I, I think addressing it with our young people is huge. I mean, going into schools um, and talking and presenting about it, um, whether you do that in a, a skit, Um, of a real life story and bring it to life or whatever it is. Um, Mm -hmm. But definitely, I mean, gosh, if we can reach all the young, you know, reach those young people so that, you know, you can save a few of them from going through this or from doing it. Um, But just know that getting out is the right decision for sure. And you'll have more people than you know of that will be supporting you.
1: That's good. And again, just thank you uh, for being on here today. And You know, when I first started off with uh, talking about unhealthy relationships, I was kind of um, surprised how the guys actually like jumped in conversations, uh, wanted to meet with me on campus, you know, talk more about my group and just really learn exactly, you know, what is domestic violence, sexual assault, you know, and just when you're talking about it, men have their perspective women have their perspective, and in some shape or form, you know, with them being able to talk about it openly and the experiences they have been through, they're able to learn through that.
2: We need to involve men in these conversations Mm -hmm. um, for their own awareness, too, of, like, these are the red flags of abuse, and it could be that it could be a man or a woman, I use them interchangeably, that Like that's abuse. Like I'm abusing this person Mm -hmm. um, and they're not aware or how can they support people that are victims of, of domestic abuse? How can I support them? So having the conversations and involving men and women in it is crucial. It's not just the whole, you know, the force of women trying to fight this alone. That's not the way to do it. The way to do it is to involve men in the conversation as well.
0: And the other thing I want to address as well is that for many of us who have been in abusive relationships, sometimes we walk away and find ourselves be going from the victim to the batterer. You know, sometimes we flip the script. We actually walk into new relationships being very aggressive and, and portraying similar behaviors from our past relationships. And so I think it's so important, like you said, to have that conversation more often in every setting. Because what it does is it raises awareness for, oh, wait a minute, am I doing the same thing that he was doing to me? Or am I doing the same thing she was doing to me? Or like I used to say, I'm going to get them before they get me. Mm -hmm. And so those are some of the things that I had to work on. I had to realize that, you know, I also, um, it just happened with my husband, right? But I had to realize that um, he wasn't my batter, right? And so I found that I was doing a lot of, what? no you when you make up in your mind nobody else is ever 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 going to treat me or do that to me again you mm-hmm. can go too far over and find yourself being the one to call people out of the name or curse somebody out or doing things to them that they really don't deserve in actual fact we're really talking to our battle which is now in our past and so i think it's so important that we have these conversations and just keep this open dialogue because um people like me who if I didn't have a husband, he was my husband at that time. He probably would have never married me if I didn't get, catch myself and get myself together. But if I didn't have someone who wasn't a batterer, because if he was a batterer, he could have cracked me many times, like what happened in my past, right? Yeah. Because of my behavior, because of how I I used to be. Um, And so I think it's so important that we do have these support groups and just have this dialogue because it also helps those of us who might be repeating some of the same patterns that was happening, those behaviors that were happening to us. We can also become that present without even recognizing it. It could happen so fast.
1: That is so true. So, Ms. Jennifer, do you have uh, platforms where people can follow you and get more of insight and information from you
2: well I don't yet I'm working on this because I realize that I do need um, I do need to create a special platform that it's not not just only for support for um, domestic abuse survivors um, just but just for motivational and coaching and Mm -hmm. and some of the other things that I do self-esteem etc so I am working on that and I will keep you posted all right. So I'll be I'll go we'll share those details with you um, when it's ready. All right, that's, that's
1: exciting. <laughs> so Miss Jennifer, thank you again for being on here today, and we will continue to connect with you. Thank you, thank you, Dorlisa, and thank you, Tina.